0: Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. Yeah, Charlotte looks out for me. Um Char is kind of like my, also my life coach and my life planner and my financial advisor on top of the million jobs she has here. But she's way too good to me. Hello, Genesis Church. Uh, online? Yeah. So the last time I was able to preach was actually uh, New Year's. And there were people in the building. And I don't have to tell you a lot has changed in, that past, uh, in these past six or seven months. Um, it's been interesting for all of us, right, in different ways. But, like, if you know me, like, I'm Puerto Rican, so I always have a lot of words. And in the past six, seven months, yeah, really, uh, there's a lot of things I've wanted to share. So get ready for a six-hour message. Nah, no, re- I'm going to squeeze. I'm Puerto Rican, so I can fit six hours into, like, 25 minutes with the way I speak. Nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go slower today. Being a father has slowed me in many ways. Um, so let's pray, and we will get into it. Uh, God, uh, I just pray the same prayer that uh, I hope I'll always pray that I would shut up and you would speak. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Hey, so um, thinking about kind of like what to talk about, and it's funny. Uh, we are blessed to be a part of a church that's like the most unchurchy church, and I say that in the best possible way. I say that in a way that's super not religious. I say that way it's super warm and welcoming. Sadly, in a way, uh, some churches might not be. Um, But, like, a lot of the great stories Roger usually tells surrounds around his family. Because, honestly, like, that's where the best stuff usually comes from. Um, I got a mom who's, like, the best mom ever. She's, like, my hero. This woman's incredible. Um, And I like to think I take some qualities uh, from my mom. One I do not is cleanliness. My mom is the cleanest woman in the world. Like, she cleans clean things. Like, I've never seen an ounce of dirt in my house ever unless I was the one to bring it in. (laughs) So why am I talking about that? What if I was to tell you right now that I have something in my persons, on my persons, that is like the source of all life, that actually biblically God uses often uh, through his word to tell us that is where life begins, that is where life ends. And it's a tool that the Bible uses often, a reminder of what really matters in life. What if I told you I had that right here, like on me? Like on my person. You believe me? All right, someone believes me.
1: I have right here
0: something that that's that. Um... It's going to wow you. I don't know if y'all ready for it. It's like really something quite incredible. In this container I have, I just like something living and it jumps out. No, in this container I have a dust bunny and some hair and I think a tooth. No, um, what I have here is a dust bunny that I collected from the church the past week. I have the weirdest job ever. Uh, so I saw this dust and I collected it and put it in this container because that's what we're going to be talking about To this morning, dust. And I know everyone, right now, rapidly, all the Facebook views just dropped. They cratered because they're like, this weirdo about to talk about dust. Now, dust is a big part of the Christian tradition. If any of you have taken part in Ash Wednesday as a representation of dust. So I want to talk about dust this morning, but not like really that dust, I mean a little bit. Uh, Fun fact about dust, do you know some dust remnants, they say like collections of human skin, which gross, but also some dust actually, they believe, has remnants of like space galaxies, like neons away. That's how crazy collection of dust is along with other weird things. But that, like, blew my mind, because dust is such a small thing. But again, what does that mean to God, and what does that mean to us in the Bible? Uh, So I want to jump right in, Genesis, in the beginning, Genesis chapter 3. A lot of us know the beginning, the origin story of how this started. Now, at this point, Adam and Eve happened. They're there. They've existed, and they've done messed up. So right now, this is kind of God talking to them after she and they both ate the apple. And this is what God has to say at the end of this long kind of, like, I don't want to say like it's like a parent checking their kid and being like, this is how life is going to be now. And this is what God says. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are and to dust you shall return. But this is not the only time in the Bible. There's actually many uh, points in the Bible where dust is uh, used. As an example of of who we are, what breakdowns. And and, and, in Psalm 103, there's a psalm from David, this beautiful psalm that uh, exhorts God and talks about how beautiful God is. In Psalm 103, verses 14 through 17, uh, it says, For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. Uh, For the wind passes over it and is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children. Dust, huh? So the Bible talks a lot about dust. Now, when you look at dust, that is a very weird, meek, small, gross thing. But at God's word, there is not one word in it that's not intentional and not with power and meaning. And this thing has been uh, speaking to me, this idea of uh, we are dust and what it means. I've been pretty contemplative Um, especially the past couple months. As Charlotte mentioned, this is graduates week. So these seniors, a lot of them that are graduating this year, I've been with from the moment I became a part of this church uh, when I was just volunteering and helping with the youth group. So it's been like really hard with me wrestling like, you know, I've been with you five years. You've heard me blab about Jesus for five years. Somehow you're still around. You didn't check out. Like I was thinking like almost in a way if I could just kind of give something of myself and, and what, what I would like to think my life is whittled down to uh, and what God has shown me in these five years, um, five and a half years, and much longer, just walking with God. What would I tell my seniors? But this message is not exclusively to our seniors. It's for seniors in high school and seniors in senior citizens' homes. Uh, this is not an exclusive message. This is for the class of 2020 and the class of 1940. That should cover everyone. So we are all in this, dude. I think this is just uh, for them. So what I really wanted to share was five things to remember before you return to the dust, which is like a really bummer statement. That's like not fun, especially again, this has been an intensely uh, in heavy past couple months in our country and in the world, uh, but I do hope uh, that this is uplifting uh, and more than it is just like, Domingo, thank you for bumming me out for 30 minutes. And the first point, this is gonna really uplift you, you ready, this is like the most uplifting point I've ever, ever shared, you ready? Remember, you are not that important <laughs> ah. why well, like now, let me tell you there's not gonna be many billboards There's not gonna be many like really successful pastors who like that's the first point they preach remember you are not that important domingo you jerk why are you saying this well, that is not what you inspire people with that's not how you uplift people there's a point this. so uh i've been a christian for almost 15 years now which is like crazy to think and i've been walking with god and I'd like to say like, I have grown somewhat, I hope at least, and in the, the early on of my Christianity, I was quite a zealous young man. What does that mean? I was like a religious jerk. I was like that dude. I was like walking like I wasn't sinning. I thought I was Jesus 2.0 pretty much when I first got saved. And throughout that walk, and there was patient people with me, the man who led me to the Lord, John Bernore, who actually uh, worked for this church many years ago, a lot of you guys know him, was an incredible man. He discipled me, showed me a lot of things, and taught me much about humility. Um, he gave me the opportunity to serve and work with the youth group. The reason I'm doing what I'm doing now is very much because of how God has used him in my life. And we used to go to rallies and stuff. So around like 21, 22, he would just bring me around stuff because he's, you know, uh, mentoring me. And we go to this rally. And like, okay, I'm going to preface this with like, we are a very specific kind of church. Um, so I'm going to talk about a couple stories that I can almost guarantee will never happen in this church. I don't mean in a bad way or a good way. We're different. It's a different flavor. Uh, but we went to one of these churches where they got prophets. All right, they got prophets come in, like it'd be a big rally, music, emotional experience. And at the end of it, they'll have a prophet, someone who prophesizes over people's lives, which is just fancy, it's like a Gandalf thing. It just means you're gonna tell someone what God is gonna do in their life or give them a word, which is like really powerful and really meaningful. Um, so I remember I went there with the youth group. We got called up to the altar call. It's all like crying, weeping, oh, it's beautiful. And this incredible prophet uh, that preached, this man who had prophecies, was, started going from person to person and giving prophecies. So I'm up there, man, like hearing these prophecies. People are going to go out to Africa and do great things. People are going to serve the Lord as pastors and leaders for so long. And I'm waiting for mine. I'm like, yo, I'm going to get the dopest prophecy. You're going to tell me I'm going to like save the world or something like that. So I'm waiting anxiously in my youthfulness. And when I tell you every single person up by that stage got a prophecy, except me. Dude just skipped over me. He's like, nah, you're good. Like I was like, am I like demon spawn, bro? Like what? Like I didn't get one. I was crushed. My ego I I just was sure. I'm like, this is it. God's going to tell me what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. As years progress and as life has a way of doing, uh, life can humble us. Life has a way of, of, if I can use this word, crushing us in a way. But it's beautiful because God can use that. Because there's something about, and so much of Christianity is not the least will be the greatest. It's not about any of this kind of stuff. It's about the lowly everyday life of loving on people meekly and humbly. God was working on me with that. And life, again, has a way of kind of bringing us lower. So years later, uh, when I had the opportunity to go away, and I'm mean, uh, schooling, and it's going really well. I'm learning a lot about God. And I really feel like a lot of my ego, a lot of my pride and stuff like that is slowly getting chipped away. And there, during one of the weeks, they had another guy come in who did prophecies again. I'm like, oh, no, here we go again. So, like, I'm trying to fight my ego again. I'm like, God, whatever you give me is cool. But secretly in my head, I'm like, but if you want to tell me, I'm going to be, like, the president one day. That'd be cool. No, like, you know, like, you, you want to hear because we love hearing good things about ourselves. It's a part of our humanity. So this guy's giving prophecies to people. And, again, this is years after the first one. And this dude comes up to me. And he was a teacher, not because of what I'm going to tell you. I just wasn't really, like, crazy about it, but he was fine. And he says, Domingo, you are a man of passion. Just make sure it's for God. A little more direction, please. Like, am I going to, like, you're telling people, like, GPS coordinates of where they're going to send your God's going to send you. And you give me, you got passion, make sure it's for God. Great, bro, thanks. I'll try to get, like, I was crushed again so this and i was really felt like i was in a place where god i'm going to receive this great word for you remember you're not that important there is a beauty in christianity that comes in the kernel of humility often in this life and hear me i'm not trying to say god's not going to do great things through you god will do great things through you but often when we look at the great things we look at the big things We want to be on stage. We want everyone to give us the accolades. But let me tell you, the saints that I've met that have moved me the most, that I hope to be like, were the quietest, were the humblest, that never spoke about themselves. They loved and they moved in such silence because they knew where their reward was and they knew when they'd get it. Like, a lot of that stuff, a lot of that feeling of having to be important, it comes out of insecurity, if we're being honest. And I know for me, a lot of that stuff, God's continuing working on ripping out. So the first point to remember before you return to the dust, and I hope it wasn't too harsh. Uh, Remember, uh, you are not that important. Let's continue on in the Bible. We're going to go jump into John chapter 8. And this is a story, I mean, honestly, I've probably preached on a million times, but it's the story of the woman who was caught in adultery. Um, And in John 8, it says, verses 1 through 11, uh, but Jesus went down to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. Uh, Then the scribes and the Pharisees uh, brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Uh, And when they had her her set in the midst of all the people, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. In the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that she she should be stoned. But what do you say, Jesus? This they said, testing him uh, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. But he did. So when they continued asking him and yelling at him, scared there's a mob right now. He raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. He Continue on and again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground because Jesus is just the best. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst, when Jesus had raised himself up, saw no one but the woman he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of you? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I. I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I never ever in my quiet time or any time want to read that story and not be completely blown away by it. You have to understand that like this is a messy situation right now. What Jesus walked into this woman and not to get too graphic, but she was caught in the act of adultery. That's all I got to say got ripped out of that situation, thrown in the middle of a mob of people in a public place. And they're like, Jesus, what do we do with her? You know what the law says. And it's not like Jesus was like, yo, this is a weird situation. I'm out of here. What's wrong with you guys? No, because we must always remember life is messy, very messy. And as a Christian, our job is not to run from the messes, but to run into the messes of life. The moment you start thinking you're above that or beyond that, you lost it. And I say that from my own experience. Jesus stood there for the woman, didn't walk away, didn't think the circumstances of this are pretty strict, you know, I don't know about this, didn't think I might die, didn't think this will look bad, this woman's barely clothed, I can't go near her or touch her because that's going to give me dishonor. None of that mattered to Jesus. What mattered was the individual, what mattered was him sharing truth and love and lifting up someone that religion had beaten down. Come on, man, remember life is messy. Um... I got the opportunity uh, to go to China many years ago, and my favorite, most heartbreaking, difficult part was going to uh, orphanages. And that was one of the main reasons I wanted to go away to China, was because I heard of how uh, really terrible the system is there of orphanages and how their children are treated. So I remember the day like it was yesterday. We all piled up in this little van, all me and my other uh, missionary students, and we're going to this orphanage. It was a long drive, and I didn't know what to expect. And I remember we pulled up, there was these big gates, really just cold-looking building. Uh, Gates open, we go in, and then we walk into the orphanage, me and all my students. And I see children everywhere. Uh, And some of them are barely clothed, a lot of them are dirty, a lot of them look malnourished. Then they bring us into a back room, and uh, it's the room with the cribs for the babies. And the first thing I always remember is that the babies had um, sheets tied to their ankles So that if when they were sleeping, they fell out of the crib, the nurses wouldn't have to get up and get the babies. They would leave them there all night. So I'm a wreck. I'm like, what is this? Uh, Thankfully, I had some incredible leaders with us at the time who just were like jumping right into it. We had this one incredible lady um, who was from Colombia who like, I didn't know you could pick up so many babies at one time, but she's got double like armfuls of kissing on them. She's like, you have to hug the babies, you have to hug them. I'm like, oh right, word, let's hug the babies. So she just, instantly that's what she went to. So we're all doing this. I'm crying because I'm a mess. I'm trying to pull it together. And then there's this one little boy and he's just running around. So it, it was actually getting close to like lunch and then we uh, shower time where we bathe them. And I'm like, yo, we're gonna bathe these babies? I was like, oh cool, like I'm down with it. And this one cute little boy, this perfect little boy uh, who had Down syndrome. He, he was a lot of energy, like a lot of energy, as kids do. I got a two-and-a-half-year-old. They got energy. So he's running back and forth, and they're like, Domingo, you're going to get him. I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, try not to cry, too, because I'm a mush. So I'm playing with this kid, and he's awesome. So I go, oh, you got to get ready for bath time. We get ready for bath time. And he obviously don't you know, understand what I'm saying. He's Chinese, but I'm still, bath time, bath time. Uh, so I pick him up. And I'm looking at him and it's like such a moment of like just the joy of God. Like, I'm like, this is beautiful. Like, he's having fun. Like, I hope he's enjoying this. And this kid pulls his arm back and cracks me in the face (laughs) as hard as he can. This was the strongest baby in the world. I was like, I was like Mike Tyson. to hit me in the face. So I'm like, okay. So this incredible moment of beauty gets whacked. Then the the, the cute little baby boy proceeds uh, to grab my face Oh, so I didn't know that. I grabbed my face and then tries to give me a big old sloppy open mouth wet kiss. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, no, baby. I was like, I love you, but I just can't, I, I ain't gonna kiss you like that. So I, I, I put the baby down we played some more games. And I remember a time when I wouldn't even know what to do there because I really thought the love of God not that it just wasn't good enough for others, but it wasn't good enough for me. I thought the love of God had nothing to do with messy situations, had nothing to do with the, the, the dark parts of life. But that's everything. In the same way where Jesus stood in this terrible situation where this woman who was literally about to be murdered uh, because of a religious law and stands against it, I'm looking at this perfect little boy who went from slapping me to trying to make out with me. <laughs> and I picked him up and I gave him a big hug. And I got to spend an incredible day with him. And it is no exaggeration to say that day completely changed me. And in that moment, I knew I must always remember that life is messy. Um, let's continue on with some more Jesus stuff because Jesus is the best. Uh, in Luke uh, chapter 15, verses 20 through 21, let me uh, set the scene for this a little bit. This is uh, more of uh, a story um, That everyone knows. So, there's a prodigal son story. I'll give a little back to it. A lot of us have heard the prodigal son story. If not, forgive me. I'm going to give you a quick little refresher of it. Jesus tells this story to describe to us who God is. And it's about this son who's really spoiled and says, Dad, you ain't dying soon enough. Can you give me all your money so I can go blow it? Like, literally, that's what the story is. And this patient, loving father says, Yeah, sure, son. Take your inheritance. And to no one's surprise, the son blows the inheritance on a bunch of God-awful things, literally, and realizes I have made a huge mistake. I've wasted my father's inheritance. Not only that, but I've sacrificed a beautiful, incredible life for what my, what, uh, my, my heart wanted, which was wrong the whole time. Um, so he decides, uh, he has this moment of clarity the prodigal son when he's seeing pigs eat slop. And he's like, I can't even afford to eat pig slop. The pigs eat better than me. I know if I go back to my father, he might be angry, but he'll welcome me back uh, with open arms. And this is picking up in the middle of the story, and a part that really blew my mind um, where it says, and he arose and came to his father. So this is the son. So he goes and sees his father in the distance. Uh, But when he was still a great way off the son, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I just want to stay right there. Can you go back to that, John, because that's really the meat of it. That's how God loves us. These stories aren't by accident. Jesus told parables to give us understandable versions of who God is, and that's who God is. A father that sees us in the distance, doesn't hesitate or wait, runs to us, grabs us, falls on us, has compassion, and kisses us on our neck. Is that not beautiful? And something throughout my whole life that I wrestle with to this day, and it's not because God isn't showing me, is that one thing, if this is probably the thing, Uh, church that I I hope to communicate is that we have to remember who God is. Who's God? A father that even in our darkest, even in our worst, doesn't hesitate to run to us. Doesn't think, oh, that person wronged me. Doesn't think, nah, he didn't do a good enough job on his Christian checklist and do all this. No, he actually runs to us, embraces us, kisses us on our neck, and loves us. That is like, whoa. (laughs) I don't know about you, but so again... Remember who God is. That's point number three, if you're keeping score. Uh, so um, I have a little reminder uh, on my phone. Um, I have a couple reminders. I have one that's actually uh, that I heard years ago in a Mr. Rogers documentary <laughs> that is like this really beautiful meditation on life. And I had another one that I remember I read it in a devotion somewhere. But, you know, like your phone, you can set up these reminders, and they can go a certain amount of time during the day. Like you have a reminder, like say you're to get milk. You know, Siri, remind me to get milk. Um, And then she'll remind you to get, like, syrup. Uh, No, but, like, so the reminders on your phone I find very helpful because, as I'm sure Charlotte can attest to, I can be a little forgetful sometimes. Charlotte, forget that. As my wife can attest to, I can be a little forgetful sometimes. I love you, Casey. Um, But the reminders are great. So I was reading this really good uh, meditation on uh, gratefulness and God, and there uh, was this little challenge. It was simple. What if you put in your phone daily, hourly, whatever, but once a day, just a simple two uh, phrase of thank you. Just that. What if you just put thank you? Uh, uh, John, forgive me. I know I'm messing you up right now. I uh, pulled it out. Don't, don't, don't worry, you're good. Um, thank you. And I literally started doing that about like two and a half years ago where every single day this reminder would go off in my phone. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I would love to tell you every time I saw that, I dropped to my knees and worshiped the Lord with my full heart and said, thank you, Jesus. No, sometimes I'm like, thank you. Like, I don't know, something just expelled out of me. But I'm like, sometimes I'd be like, thank you. Other times it would hit me when I needed it the most, when I was really stressed out and really just uh, losing focus on who God is and would be like, thank you. This, like, simple, simple pra- uh, like practice of putting this on my phone, I can't recommend this enough, has been life-changing for me. I'd like to tell you that I am a fully... Uh, enlightened being from this by now, that ain't the case. But it is a small exercise that has benefited me greatly because every time I see that reminder, thank you, on my phone, I say a quick prayer of thanks. Because the next point, I believe we're at point uh, number four, is remember, this life is a gift. It's a gift. I said this once before, it might feel like a gift sometimes, like, you know, that gift your aunt gave you at Christmas, that sweater that you're never going to (laughs) wear? Or it might be that gift you got, that I don't really like that but it's a gift nonetheless. Life is so difficult, I don't have to paint that out for any of, anyone, I'm not trying to make small things, the the experiences you have been through, but I do know this, gratitude, just being grateful, and again, this goes to the people that have inspired me the most, are the people that every single day, whether it's in the storm, or whether it's in beautiful sunlight, are thanking God for all he's done for them, and that can be really difficult, but I do know it is transformative in the way you look at this life. Remember this life is a gift. And again, sometimes it's not gonna feel like that. Heck, a lot of times it might not feel like that, but it does not change the reality. Every single breath we get to breathe, every single is a gift from God. Every single moment we get. Um, And I I know that to be true, because even in the darkest times when I felt God least from me, when I felt the distance from God, He's brought me back. And he's brought you back, you, And if you've never felt that, he's there worthy and willing to, to give you that to you and so much more. So remember, this life is a gift. Um, Maya Angelou has a great quote, and I, I love it. Uh, if you don't know what Maya Angelou is, stop everything you're doing, turn this off, and go look up Maya Angelou. Because that woman is the truth. She passed away recently. My mother had the gift of being able to learn from her uh, at NYU. She is Everything. This woman has overcome adversities in life, gone through trauma, and and, and literally gotten like the highest government awards you can get as a poet, as a singer. Actually, she's done it all. Uh, And let me tell you, as an African American woman who's grown up uh, through America in the 30s and 40s, I don't need to really paint that out anymore. I think you get that. But this woman has shared some of the most powerful literature, some of the most impactful stuff in my life. And I have this great quote uh, where she said, Let gratitude. Be the pillow upon which you kneel to say your nightly prayer. And let faith be the bridge you build to overcome evil and welcome good. Um, Maya Angelou, um, I've been reading this uh, book with my, my baby girl called Letters to My Daughter. And if you ever try to read to a two-and-a-half-year-old, it's really just me reading and she runs around. <laughs> so so I, I've been reading it to her because I'm me and I just thought it was a really beautiful thing to read. The ironic thing is Maya Angelou doesn't have any daughters. But she does. She has many women. She's inspired and loved. So in one of the parts of this, uh, Maya Angelou has an incredible mother. She talked about she uh, was dating a young man. And it gives real detail that this young man she met, he was a, used to be an ex-baseball player in like, I want to say like the 40s or 50s. Uh, but he got injured on the job. Uh, and in that injury process, he lost his hand. So this guy was known as like, no hand Jimmy or something like that. I should know him, but it's something like that. So Maya Angelou is dating this guy. He seems so nice and so wonderful. And... Um, what happens is the relationship takes a turn very quickly. Uh, the person she's with, who, who seems so sweet and wonderful, uh, actually ended up, uh, when they, were on a, uh, uh, they went on a date one night, they went out to a nice, beautiful, scenic place to overlook the, uh, the, the city where they lived, and Maya Angelou said it was the last thing she remembered because he actually took a board and hit her upside the head with it. Um, he was convinced she was cheating on him. Um, so he held her hostage for three days over the weekend, um, and all this time she's missing. Uh, Maya Angelou had a very strong, incredible mother who actually owned a nearby bar. So her mother's looking for her everywhere. And during this time, Maya Angelou is coming in and out, in and out, and she's just praying. She's praying. She's like, God, I know you have a plan for my life. I don't want this to be the last of it. Please, God, you know, if you can save me. But really, seeing no hope, this is how God works. Long story short, the man is going back and forth. This man who injured her own hand, Jimmy, and he's saying, you know what? I regret what I did. I'm going to take care of you because he's insane. So he's like, I'm going to go to the store and get you some good stuff. I'm going to get to the store and I'm going to clean you up. So he goes out to the store and Maya Angelou is still like she is literally unable to get out of bed. She's so injured. And in the process of this man going to the store, the same store that he walks out of, two men had happened to rob a nearby store that wasn't far off of it. And in the process of these men robbing it, they were trying to get away from the cops and the stuff they stole, whether it was money or goods, I can't exactly remember, but they dumped it in this man's car, no hand Jimmy. So because of that one act, and picture this during this time, Maya Angelou is praying and not knowing if her life is even going to last any longer. The cops end up seeing this guy, no hand Jimmy, realizing Maya Angelou is missing. Not two hours later, her mother comes first, because you know a mother's love, with two tough looking dudes from a bar, break down the door uh, with the cops, and her daughter is saved. Now God works in mysterious ways. But when Maya Angelou finishes his chapter with, I never thought an answered prayer would be through acts of like th- uh, thievery. Would be through that. But that's how God works. What really blew me away was this woman who had to endure this abuse, is saying a prayer of thanks after all that. Holy, come on! Like to go through. And again, I can't say this enough. Maya Angelou understood something that I don't even have one percent of, and I hope to have a little more. That this life is a gift. Even in the bad times, even in the good times, you were still loved by God. You were still redeemed by God. He has an incredible plan for you. There is not a one thing man can do to X that out or cancel that out. Don't ever get that twisted. And best believe, the worst acts of this world, that's man's hand. That's not God. Now, God might turn that around and use it for good, but there is not a moment your father in heaven ever wants a hair on your head or in your mind, right? Our mind is a dangerous place, too. Any of that to be injured. Because... This life, in spite of the sadness and the brokenness, is a gift. For all of you, I could go on and on just about kids. Having a kid, that shows you that. But it also could show you both sides of it too, right? Amen? Like, that's kind of what it is. But, yeah. So, remember, uh, this life is a gift. Um, so, this is the last real good part I'm share from what uh, Jesus is sharing. And a lot of you have heard about the Sermon on the Mount before. Uh, pretty much it's Matthew chapter 5. Uh, through seven, It is like the best thing ever. Within Matthew chapter 5 and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, which Jesus just total sermon on a mountain, is the most incredible sermon I'll ever be preached. Like, again, you can turn off this video right now, go open your Bible and read that. You will be immensely blessed. It is dense and powerful and so practical. Um, and I wanted to pull one part from it. So in Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 31 through 34, this is Jesus talking. And he says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Uh, For all these the Gentiles seek. Gentiles are just people who weren't Jewish people. That's a weird word, but that's all it means. Uh, For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Um, Jesus chose to finish this incredible sermon with this, where he kind of just wrapped up everything. And oftentimes, again, we can get lost in what this life is really about. And what the finishing of the Sermon on the Mount, I think, is Jesus is trying to wrap up, because Jesus knew we only had so much time on this earth, uh, was what, what is life really about? If you were God, tell us. That is a question humanity has been asking forever. What is the meaning of life? And Jesus says this, Ain't the clothes you wear. It's not the things you do. It's not any of that stuff. It's not the money, the cars, the house. You know what's so funny? It's not even really about the relationships. What it's about is the one who gave you that. Because when you understand or connected to the God of all things and all good things, and when you first are connected to him and thanking him and loving him, that's when you can fully appreciate those things. We get so lost in the gifts and not the gift giver. We get so lost in the things of real purpose and meaning. I do it every day, man. All it takes is me to get cut off on LIE and I'm, ooh, I ain't that Christian. Um, But... God is trying to bring us back. So much of what Jesus was trying to share was almost just like this, yo, wake up. Like, wake up, y'all. This ain't really what it's about. I know it's easy to get caught up in these things. uh, But this is what really life is about. Um, And my last point is this. uh, Remember to live a life worth living. And what's a life worth living? Connected to, loved by God. (laughs) I know it's like there's so much more than that, um, but I mean, so much of my life when I've went astray or just forgot about who God is to me, it's just coming back to this. It's coming back to God as a father who falls on us and kisses our neck. It comes back to God as our defender. It comes back to God is trying to help us and raise us up so we can be people who run into messes. It's God trying to remind us, hey, I was God and I put myself in human form. Want we'll to talk about humility. <laughs> Remember. Not that important. But the other side of that is that he's got every hair on your head numbered. The other side of that is that not only are you the most important thing, which sounds like it's, but it's not, but we are all the most important thing, each of us individually. And you can lift up others. You can stand for the woman in adultery. You can stand for those who are hurting the same way I did, because that's what God's love does. It makes us better, it makes us more whole. So. Pretty much lastly, I only had five points, but really I kind of lied, but this is just a synopsis, is remember we came from the dust, and to the dust we shall return. Um, There's this incredible uh, song by this uh, hip-hop artist I love, Kendrick Lamar. He's incredible. He's won Pulitzer Prizes, and his first album uh, I listened to years ago. I remember it came out, I can't remember when, but anyway, years ago. And he has this song called Sing About Me, Uh, I'm Dying is the name of the song. And it's one of the most moving songs. I wept listening to it. And it tells these stories of these different people. And and the end of it, it's Kendrick Lamar talking about his legacy as an artist and musically what he's going to leave behind. And he just, the chorus goes, um, when the lights shut off and it's my turn to settle down, uh, I promise that you will sing about me. promise that you will sing about me. Um, and I was crying, boy. <laughs> A lot of this sermon is about me crying, so forgive me. I'm trying not to cry right now. But it moved me so deeply. So much of Christianity is this beauty of understanding who we are before God, humbly, living a life worth meaning. Because we don't, I mean, none of us remember being born, right? None of us remember that moment God took the dust and turned it into us. But all I do know is as I get older, especially having kids, the timeline seems to go quicker and quicker. And my moment of returning to dust seems to be coming quicker and quicker, hopefully not too quick. And... I can think of nothing more powerful and beautiful in my life than the people that in between the time when they were dust and they returned to the dust that lived a life loving Jesus and not just being uh, loving Jesus, but being loved by Jesus and sharing that love in a radical, beautiful, messy way that didn't raise up themselves in order to oppress others, but actually lowered themselves to lift up others. This life is a breath. We're like lilies, man. Um... There's an estimated 7.8 billion people uh, right now on this earth. Over the history of time, they estimate something like 108 billion people, which actually was smaller than half, I think, but, yeah, 108 billion. Um, Every six or so seconds, someone passes away. I don't know I messed it up. Every 1.8 seconds, someone passes away. Every four and a half to, like, six seconds in that range, a baby is born. When I read that stuff, it made me feel really small, but kind of not in a bad way. Like, I have a big enough head, so I don't need to, like, inflate my head anymore. Like, literally, I have a giant head. Uh, So what I'm saying is this. Dust. Dust. Nothing meaningful looking at it. It's gross, even. Messy. Small. But the God I worship, the God who's real, and what he's done with this, beaten down, getting there, old man, is let me experience in life more peace and love than I ever thought I would. Give me the ability to love on people and experience people of faith and people outside of the faith who they've they've impacted me more than I know. Jesus in those short three years of ministry changed the world so much that we're still here 2,000 years later talking about him. And I can think of nothing more powerful than the purest of pure messages of Christ's revolutionary, Rule-breaking love that I need and I think this country needs too right now. Be patient with each other. Be kind with each other. We're all going through it right now. Understand that our experiences aren't the same as someone else's experiences. Understand that they were created in the image of God. Understand that they were dust too. And to the dust they shall return. Just like us. Uh, Band, you guys can start coming up. Uh, And let's pray.